It's Tuesday, July the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, coronavirus cases surpass 13 million, and China and America trade insults. First, the world in brief. The number of coronavirus cases detected globally surpassed 13 million as the World Health Organization warned that the pandemic could yet worsen. Many countries, the WHO judged, are headed in the wrong direction. California reversed its reopening, restaurants, bars and other indoor public spaces are to be shuttered again and schools in the two largest districts will remain closed through August. On Monday, the number of deaths from COVID-19 in Latin America, now almost 145,000, overtook the toll in North America. Only Europe has suffered more deaths, more than 200,000. China announced unspecified sanctions against American officials, including Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, two Republican senators. Last week, America had introduced penalties against Chinese officials, including the Communist Party's secretary for Xinjiang, for abusing the human rights of its Uyghur citizens. Yesterday, Mike Pompeo, America's secretary of state, branded most Chinese claims around the South China Sea as completely unlawful. Singapore's economy recorded an annualized 41% drop in April to June, compared with the three months before. The city-state is now officially in recession, its GDP having fallen 3.3% in the previous quarter. Construction figures were particularly bleak, contracting by 95.6%. The economy should start to recover as Singapore eases its lockdown. President Vladimir Putin of Russia delayed a national investment plan worth $360 billion by six years because of a recession caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Less than a fortnight ago, Mr. Putin declared victory in a plebiscite on constitutional changes that will allow him to ignore previous term limits and rule until 2036. PepsiCo, a giant American maker of fizzy drinks and snacks, reported a fall in profits but still beat analysts' expectations. Net revenue in the second quarter was $15.9 billion, 3.1% less than in the same period a year ago. Bumper sales of snacks such as Frito-Lay chips were offset by the damaging impact of restaurant closures on drink sales. Washington, D.C.'s National Football League team said that it would change its name after 87 years as the Redskins. Campaigners for the switch had said the name was a slur against indigenous Americans. The owner and many fans had insisted it was respectful, but eventually came under irresistible pressure. A new name is yet to be chosen. And Andean condors, the world's heaviest soaring birds, can travel 172 kilometers without flapping their wings, according to a new study in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Researchers reckon the vultures beat their wings just 1% of the time they are airborne, mostly when taking off or flying close to the ground. Remarkably, one bird went over five hours without flapping. And now, here's today's agenda. Hard up, American banks brace for losses. 
This will be a grim week for America's banks, which today start reporting their second quarter earnings. The four biggest booked almost $25 billion in provisions for loan losses, expected to pile up as firms and households struggle to stay afloat through the pandemic in their first quarter results. They are expected to double this in their second quarter accounting. These anticipated defaults will not bankrupt the banks, but they will hurt profits. Earnings are forecast to drop by between 60% and more than 80% year-on-year at Bank of America, Citigroup and J.P. Morgan Chase, three of the top four. The other, Wells Fargo, is expected to incur a loss. The relative bright spot should be supplied by Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. Principally investment banks, they make fewer direct loans and therefore need not book large provisions. Morgan Stanley's profits are expected to fall by just 15%. Some banks are more immune to the pandemic than others. Huawei to the danger zone, Britain's 5G plans. Growing numbers of British cities enjoy zippy fifth-generation 5G mobile coverage, in part thanks to kit made by Huawei. That rollout may now slow. Britain's National Security Council is today expected to decide on whether to eject the Chinese company from the telecoms network. In January, Boris Johnson said Britain would exclude Huawei from the most sensitive parts and limit its market share to 35%. His government is now expected to announce plans to strip Huawei from the British market entirely. One reason is that American sanctions on Huawei have made it harder for the company to find reliable components, increasing security risks. The other is growing pressure from China-skeptic lawmakers in the governing Conservative Party. Removing all traces will take time. The chief executive of BT, a big British telecoms provider, has estimated it will take five years to get Huawei out of 5G networks and more than ten to uproot it from the entire sector. Jam Sessions, Alabama's Senate runoff. For two decades, Jeff Sessions was popular enough to write his victory speech as soon as he announced his candidacy. Alabamians elected him to four Senate terms, most recently in 2016, when he ran unopposed in the primary and general elections and won a Kim Jong-un-like 97% of the vote. But that was before he disappointed Donald Trump by recusing himself while serving as Attorney General from the Russia investigation. Today, Republicans in Alabama will choose whether he or Tommy Tuberville, a 65-year-old former college football coach, will face Doug Jones, the incumbent Democratic senator in November. Mr. Trump has endorsed Mr. Tuberville and called Mr. Sessions a disaster who let us all down. A recent poll shows Mr. Tuberville ahead, 47% to 31%, with 22% undecided. Either candidate will give Mr. Jones, who eked out a victory in 2017's special election over Roy Moore, a Republican accused of multiple sexual offences, a tough race this autumn. A mixed bag, the British economy. Today's British GDP statistics for May are expected to show month-on-month growth of around 5%. That would usually be fantastic news for a country more accustomed to annual growth rates of closer to 1.5%, but given that the economy shrank by about a quarter in the first two months of the coronavirus pandemic, it is difficult to get too excited. Of more interest today will be the latest forecasts by the Office for Budget Responsibility, the government's fiscal watchdog. 
A lot has changed since April when it published its previous update. It now seems that the OBR, like the Bank of England, may have been too pessimistic about the scale of the initial fall in GDP, but also too optimistic about the speed of the bounce back. The economic hole is not as deep as first feared, but the path out of it may prove slipperier than hoped. The Audacity of Hope – Another Mars Mission Besides Earth, Mars is the most studied planet in the solar system. America, the USSR, Europe, India and Japan have sent spacecraft there. Russia, China and Britain have tried and failed. Today, the United Arab Emirates will make its attempt when the HOPE spacecraft is launched from Tanegashima in Japan. The mission, which was developed in collaboration with several American universities, is intended to improve the UAE's technological know-how. Its arrival in 2021 will mark the 50th anniversary of the UAE's independence from Britain. But it is not all politics. HOPE will be a weather satellite observing dust storms and seasonal and regional variations in the planet's meteorology. It could also shed light on the process by which Mars has lost most of its hydrogen, and therefore its water, to space. Billions of years ago, the planet may well have sported an ocean. These days, it is a desiccated wasteland. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Gerald Ford, who was born on this day in 1913. Let us remember that our national unity is a most priceless asset. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 